be some kind of a significant commitment um, coming there from the Canadian Ministry of Defense as well. So I think the bottom line is, it it unless somebody has some specialized information on what the Russians are up to, I don't see how they can possibly replace their losses and overcome the rate of training that is now going on with the with the NATO uh, efforts. Um, so that's it. That's my comment. Yeah. Absolutely. We've seen great things on training. I think John has something to say on that before we move on. Uh, yes. Thank you, Finance. Just a quick clarification. Unless new info has come out, has come out. it's not 10,000 troops every month. It's 10,000 troops every four months, every 120 days. Uh, that, did you hear uh, Sir Britt when he was on? He's the, uh, the Royal Marine. Did you hear his commentary at all? Uh, no, I did not. So the 10,000 every four months, is that's a quote from Boris Johnson. Unless new info has come out, and you know, if if it has, I would I would love to see it. I'm you know, you know, ten thousand a month is it's is much better, of of course, and I'd love to see that info. Um, so if he has a post on that, I'd love to see it. Um, I'm just relaying what I heard, you know, a couple of days ago when the when the British Prime Minister made the announcement. His words were ten thousand every one hundred twenty days. Okay, then that is clearly at variance with what. Uh what the Royal Marine was conveying. So perhaps he, I'm not sure which, which would be the most accurate, but he, he did acknowledge, he said that is a phenomenal training pace and it, it ramps up to a level that the, the British army had actually, uh, hadn't even put on the book on the books since uh, Dunkirk really. So, um, obviously it is a significant number and it's, it, uh, appears that it's, it's certainly going to have an impact in the certainly in the mid uh the near to midterm so thank you john thank you leonard and john moving on to daniel then liberal daniel are you with us okay sir? i am with you uh let's not forget uh, there are other countries than britain in nato um by the way uh from military central from moscow region Already troops are moved two or three weeks ago. The rumors, which are not more rumors, are already interception. Uh, disciplinary battalions are formed. They clean up the jails. Uh, the bridge near Melitopol blown up meaning no connection with Donetsk from Kherson. And don't worry about ammunition. Worry about how that ammunition can go to Kherson and go to Donetsk, because it will be blown up every pace. Uh, manpower is the issue, not the ammunition for the Russians. Manpower is less than needed. If you move troops from Moscow region, you are in big doo-doo. Mike check. Thank you, Daniel. Liberal. Thanks, Finance. Uh, Joseph has been lurking in the background, and I love his perspective, his uh, expertise in the area of the Caucasus. Um, and we talked about earlier about the Russians' penchant for using ethnic people to flood the front line. And um, 
I wonder what his perspective was on that, because, um, again, we're looking at a report that Crimea um, is trying to uh, press gang Ukrainian speakers and Ukrainians to turn them around and go back into Kherson and fight the Ukrainians that are trying to liberate the land. And um, it blows my mind, but it's not really... Um, that's surprising because the the Russian government doesn't have um, an affinity for humanity. Um, it's all about power, imperialism, and expansion. And I wonder if Joseph could speak to that. Brother, I respect you so much, man. And uh, I just want to hear your take on that. Yeah, so thanks, Liberal. Um, so, yeah, uh, as far as, like, my opinion on sort of Russian attitudes towards non-Russians, I think Maddie is a great resource. Um, and, yeah, uh, my experience comports with Maddie um, in general, uh, Russian attitudes. I'll put it this way. The nicest thing I've ever heard uh, Russians say about Central Asia was somebody needs to sweep our streets, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's like the, uh, let's say that's the progressive attitude. Um, there's a, a, a much, much less progressive attitude that I would say is more prevalent in Russian society. Um, as far as uh, using them as frontline soldiers, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the main reason is sort of uh, insulating Putin from the economic uh, or sorry, from the political uh, cost of losing civilians or sorry, losing, uh, you know, Russian Russians, right? He doesn't want to lose the loyalty of the Russian population. He has other means of containing other ethnic uh, populations in Russia. Um, but when it comes to, you know, body bags coming, so when it comes to body bags coming home, right, he would prefer that he press gangs Ukrainians uh, in, in these pro- proxy republics or, uh, you know, in these, uh, you know, so-called republics or, uh, or uses, uh, you know, ethnic minorities from the other uh, republics within the Russian Federation, the, the other so-called republics in the Russian Federation. Man, the Russians are so good at this game, huh? Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, it's uh, definitely a pattern we see in the Russian military and in Russian culture. Uh, you know, non-Russians are considered uh, expendable bodies, right? Uh, Tajiks are... Uh, you know, they they die a lot <laughs> in working as migrant laborers in Russia. The safety, they're building things. Uh, you know, they're uh, and the safety procedures there aren't great. Uh, so a lot of them don't go there to work to send money home to like support their families, and they don't come back home, right? Um, or they get involved in uh, you know criminal acti- like criminals take advantage of them, things like that. Uh, and you know they're they're subjected to casual racism on an everyday basis, uh, and yeah, it's so uh, there's a the attitude. I'll put it this way: the the cultural attitudes of Russians towards non-Russians in their uh, empire uh, allows the Russian state to use non-Russians as uh, bodies that they can put in the military to die at less political cost to them. Does that uh, make sense, liberal? Absolutely. And that's the calculus of Putin, because the more Russian body bags come back, I'm talking about ethnic Slavic Russian, the more it may debilitate um, his hold on power. Definitely agree. Uh, Back to you, Frank. Yeah, I cannot disagree more. Hold on. We have one more person. I think that is a decently accurate point. I think it is also uh, key where they come from. Basically, the citizens with more cultural, social capital in St. Petersburg and Moscow, 
Moscow have more power slash danger to Russian society and the regime if they uh, become concerned, worried, or upset with the war than others. And we have a new guest in this space politically. Uh, please ask your question. Thank you. Um, just to step back a minute, um, to clarify, when Liberal asked um, if Russia was using, using ethnic soldiers or people to to be on the front lines, I just want to clarify, was he really asking that they were um, from other countries, or is he saying that Russia is using ethnicities within their own country to be on the front line or sacrifice their lives? Does that make does that make sense? My question. Yeah, so uh, I'll take a yeah, shot yeah, there. I, I I got this. Can I get oh, this? Go, you go want ahead. the show? Yeah, absolutely. Finance. Go ahead. Sure. Russia is currently defines itself as a federation. Um, it, this is not. Think of Russia, quite frankly, as the Russian Empire. It is the only of the major medieval empires to still be standing. The Ottomans have broken up. The Mamluks broke up long ago. The Austrian Empire broke up. The Austro-Hungarian Empire. They're still standing. They have subjugated under the Russian Federation ethnic Tartars, Tuvas, and other Siberian natives, Russian Mongols. Um, And I've just named a few uh, under... The guys of the Soviet Union, you saw massive amounts of forced population transfer and genocide of Ukrainians, Estonians, Poles in many cases, uh, and other non-Russian ethnicities. Uh, my own people, the Jews, were uh, uh, murdered back in the Russian Tsarist Empire days, with the Tsars explicitly having you know documents saying they had a, a three-thirds plan, which is they expected to... Uh, try to convert one-third of us, uh, kill one-third of us in pogroms, and uh, forcibly enforce one-third of us to leave the country. So, uh, you know, this is, this is like just not their first rodeo with uh, murdering or forcibly transferring to break populations uh, across the nation. So the Russian Federation has huge numbers of non-Russian ethnicities who live you know, broadly oppressed and without agency within the nation of Russia. Uh, Joseph, would you have anything to add to that explanation? I understand. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, so finance explanation was great. And I would just like sort of underline that, yeah, um, in sort of legal terms, right, these are sep- considered separate, quote unquote, republics. Uh, of course, they're completely beholden to Putin. But right, the Tartars have their own republic with its own constitution. And so in legal terms, they're considered separate in the Russian, you know, quote unquote, federation. Uh, again, it's just it's an empire. This is all Russian terminology we're kind of using, which is problematic. But this is how they they do it. So both in legal terms and as finance explained in sort of cultural or ethnic terms, uh, there, there are these other groups, uh, in the Russian empire. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great explanation finance. I'll, I'll leave it there. Back well, to you. you know, it gets very confusing, right? Because they, if you remember in the beginning of the war, they, well, as you explained historically took Ukrainians across the border and made them, made them fight against their own. Right. And so it gets very confusing at some point is that are they are they recruiting or are they capturing people outside their borders or they the word isn't recruiting internally or are they sacrificing 
those internal groups within their borders to be on the front line. Well, so it's a it's basically a combination of everything, right? So, for example, in these proxy quote unquote republics and these proxy states that uh, uh, Russia has created uh, on Ukrainian territory, we've seen videos of them just coming up to young people and grabbing them and just putting them in military mm-hmm. units. Uh, in terms of the the Russian, uh, let's say, uh, 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 periphery. Uh, these these other ethnic republics, uh, we've seen. Uh, let's just say that the social structure of the Russian Empire is such that uh, people in who don't live in, as Finance said, Moscow and Saint Petersburg, they they don't really have the ability to get out of the army like those people do, and so they're 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 going to be conscripted in the army. Everyone in every male in Russia is going to be conscripted into the military. I understand. Right? Um, so so. Um, a lot of Russians are able to get out of service. A lot of ethnic minorities aren't. And then once they're in the military, there's a lot of pressure to sign a contract. Um, there's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, hazing, I guess you'd call it. But it's a m- much more extreme. Just think in terms of sexual abuse and and uh, all sorts of other depravity. Um, and, you know, if well, basically you're from Moscow being forced, or, oh, but they're being forced by any means. Exactly. From both right. sides. And if you come from Moscow or St. Petersburg, Hold you're on. from maybe a What do you mean connection. by from both sides? What I mean from both sides is I mean um, Russia um, capturing Ukrainians and pro-Ukrainians are historically the same and dragging them over the border to fight against their own, as well as internally in Russia taking what you say are ethnic groups or, you know, whatever they define and forcing them to fight on the front lines. That's what I mean by externally and internally. So so both in Ukrainian occupied territory and inside Russia, they're doing, they're doing both. That's right. And it's the last thing I'll say is, right. And so the Russian social system is, is set up in a way that if you're, if you, if you have connections, right. If you're, if you're from Moscow or even just, there's a suspicion that you might, um, the people in the military are going to have a lot less ability to pressure you into doing things you're uncomfortable doing. Um, you know, there, there might be a, a little bit of fear of, rep- of reprisal from uh, uh, whatever uh, sort of group you represent, right? Um, they don't know, so they might not mess with you as much. Whereas, again, in the, the ethnic minority communities, they're, they're maybe not as well connected, right? So there's just this uh, general um, uh, bias toward uh using ethnic minorities in the Russian military. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, I, I guess that, we'll leave it there. Uh, back to you. Bias or discrimination, you know, in a way. I mean, I would say that genocide is discrimination, ma'am. I, I don't know how else to put it, right? Like, I, I, you can no, call I, it. I, I think you misunderstand I, me, finance. I, I'm just saying that on the Russian side, there's a bias and they will forfeit those that they care less about first i mean they're 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 literally ethno-nationalist in in broadly white supremacist fashion like you can read many many threads and just translations oh shit (laughs) that's what i'm saying yeah right right no so so i mean like like every word that denotes the things that you know white power assholes would say fits bias discrimination prejudice Pick one, pick all, you know, use any one you want. They're all going to apply 
because that's what you're looking at, right? Like when you, you when you are a white supremacist Russian trying to commit genocide on Ukrainians, which to a lot of people outside of the region is hard to get your head around because they seem like very similar cultures. It would be like the U.S. trying to genocide Canada. Like we think they say A and, uh, you know, talk a little funny. I understand all of this, but, and thank right. you, I Joseph. I know, but, you know, maybe the whole, 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 maybe the whole somehow, space. Hang on. And you don't finance need to interrupt me somehow actually, you know, trying to make it like I'm, I'm trying to put something different out there, but it's not that, and you know that. So I'm going to drop down. Thank you. All right. And uh, liberal, I believe you had your hand up a little earlier. Yeah, no, I actually didn't have my hand up, brother, but I regret that politically fed up felt that somehow we were disagreeing with her when we were actually agreeing with her. So politically fed up, if you're still in the listening group, uh, feel free to come back up. We welcome your commentary and um, we actually agree with you. So if that comes as a surprise, um, don't be surprised. Yeah, no, it's important not to understate the bigotry of Russia, um, you know, and uh, we're, we're there. We, we completely agree. It's awful. I, I think that, you know, I, I don't have any quibble with exactly which word people want to use. I think they're all appropriate. You know, they're anything that denotes the fact that this is a bigoted uh, people in a bigoted war that is based around uh, genocide. I mean, the point of the war is genocide. Yes, they, as as mentioned earlier, you know, Russia, when they think around making large strategic moves, tries to solve as many problems that they see as problems at once. Again, this is uh, this may be different than uh, this is from a, a a logic that you would not consider moral, nor I, nor almost anybody perhaps outside of the genocidal Chinese regime. Uh, but uh, the you know, so to them, they're yes, they might pick up oil and gas regions. They will pick up some land that connects their territory to ports you know all of that is uh all of that to them is a useful helpful thing but the purpose of the war the reason they're doing this in the first place is genocide of ukrainians that is what they're about that's what they're here for that is what is driving them they cannot handle the idea that ukraine no longer wishes to be russian no longer wishes to be soviet wants to have agency they want to live in a democratic free society this is everything that Russia is not about and against. Um, we have multiple people who came up. Uh, I cannot pronounce your name, Mr. Vicky. Uh, if you wish to speak, you can raise your hand by hitting the little heart next to the little chat box. And all the way on the right, you can put your hand up. And we're happy to call on you if you have anything to say. Uh, Mr. Vicky, you've been up the longest, and I'm assuming you didn't know how to raise your hand. So I'm calling you, sir. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> for giving me the opportunity to submit. The war between Russia and Ukraine is a sad one. Uh, in that, we are seeing a war. To me, that's a civil war. In that, uh, Ukraine was part of Russia before. And I like the way this other presenter said that it's a genocide. Yes, it is. Because if you see a government fighting its own people, that's a genocide. Sir, you can, and, have, sir, sir, two things. We need to, we need to stop right here because this the civil war argument is is in fact Russian propaganda. 
Um, you can have a genocide when it is one government going after another government. Um, I can I can tell by your accident, your your accent, uh, that you're you're from Africa, right, sir? Where are you from, sir? I'm from Africa, but my accent does not disqualify me from. Oh no, saying, no not at all. I, I wanted to know. I wanted to have some idea of your cultural context, so I can try to make a relevant example. I know some of the different countries and areas. Um, I have family members who are Nigerian, so I might be able to say something relevant to your context to try to put it um, in in context for you, so it doesn't seem like something so far away from from whatever is relevant to you. So, I, so I'm curious, which which country are you from, sir? I'm from Zimbabwe. Okay, excellent. Uh, I hope you're, you're okay. safe and well. Can you, can you allow me to submit, because you seem to be distracting me even to an extent of forgetting what I want to say. Uh, sure, continue, continue, please. But uh, I, I reserve the right to, to interrupt if you, continue, if you say major okay. pieces of Russian propaganda. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my observation... Russia is to blame in this issue in that it is an aggressor, one. Two, it is failing to observe human rights. The turmoil in there is affecting so many people across gender, age, and the like. And if you talk of the Russian uh, military, I know from history, what Russia is. That's a communist nation. All their programs are done through indoctrination. You get a nurse in Russia, is first indoctrinated. You get a military person, is first indoctrinated. Everyone in the civil service is indoctrinated. To the extent that you, you, you fail as an individual to deliver services, as per the dictates of your profession. My worry, United Nations hasn't pronounced anything. They haven't come up. I don't know if they'll come up when Ukraine is no more. That's my wonder. Thank you. I don't think that was... Liberal, I think you want to respond before even I do. I'll let you go for it. No, I appreciate the comment. And I thought at first it was anti-Ukraine, but it seemed to be um, pro-Ukraine on the end because the speaker commented on the programming of the Russian uh, people. And um, I was defensive at first, but then I, you know, I continued to listen. And, and, and I think um, the speaker may have had a point. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I mean, you said Russia's aggressive they're ignoring human rights and they're causing all, all these horrible problems and ru- ruining ukrainian society by killing i think you know it's true i think that, that there's obviously we can we can all do more to maybe inform our guests uh, of, of the specifics of what's going on but i mean yeah i'd say yeah i i will say that we were a little concerned when you made the civil war comment but uh, you finished up pretty strong and seemed to have a pretty clear picture of the horror going on. Uh, I would say that calling this a civil war, to put it in the context of, of what I do know about the history of Zimbabwe, which quite frankly is better from the ancient kingdom thereof and its, and its amazing uh, trading empire that it was uh, in, in the early modern period, a little before that. Um, but in the modern period of Zimbabwe, this would be similar to Britain attacking Zimbabwe and saying it's a civil war because they used to be a colony. 
Ukraine was forcibly colonized by Russia. They are a different people. They have a different language. They have a different literary tradition. They are a different ethnicity. Both Ukrainians and Russians think they are a different ethnicity. This isn't the first time they've attempted to be subjugated. This is not the first time they've been genocided by the Russians. Uh, they currently are a different country with a separate government, security service, army, etc., hence why it is a war. So the idea of calling it a civil war would probably be about as offensive as uh, you, sir, in Zimbabwe uh, would feel if somebody called it a civil war, if the British were to decide to take colonialism up again and attack you all, and it was called a civil war in the news, which would be absolutely wrong. It would be wrong of the British to do that. It was quite frankly wrong the first time they did it. I would be wrong if they did it now. It was wrong the first time Russian, the Russian imperialist empire under the czar forcibly subjugated Ukraine. And it was wrong under the Soviet empire when they forced a genocide called the Holodomor in Ukrainians. And it is wrong now when an independent Ukraine is being attacked by a still imperialist Russian state. So I would say that, you know, everything you said about the war after that was absolutely on point. But I would caution against the civil war comment. It will upset many of the people locally in here as well. Um, we actually have Ukrainian hopped up in this space. So I appreciate that we have a queue. I normally like to follow it. But in this case, uh, Slava is up. He is a Ukrainian who is a veteran of the 2014 phase of this conflict. And I would love to hear what he has to say uh, before we move on. Slava Ukraini. Heroem Slava. So... One important note uh, to the Mr. Wiki. Uh, he said that Ukraine was a part of the Russia. It is wrong. Ukraine never was a part of the Russia. Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. And when the Soviet Union uh, was fell, uh, Ukrainian gained independence. So it was very important to note because uh, a lot of the Russian propaganda using this like uh, uh, important point in the propaganda that Ukraine is was part of the Russia and should stay in the in the part of the Russia. So it's very important for the Ukrainians and others to understand that we are an independent country. Thank you. And I would just add very quickly for our guests, you know, I think uh, in the space here, we're, we're a bit sensitive maybe to, uh, you know, Russian misinformation. And we have people from Africa come on sometimes, just repeat, you know, complete Russian disinformation. So, uh, you know, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your perspective with us. And it's something we, we're, we're interested in, in terms of uh, dealing with Russian misinformation and, and how they brainwash people, as you said, both in their own country and uh, outside their country. And, you know, there's a lot of Africans who will say, like, you know, this is all the CIA is doing and it's NATO expansion and all this stuff. So, yeah, we definitely appreciate you coming on and saying, you know, this is Russian aggression and they're ignoring human rights and they're committing crimes and doing horrible things and they're brainwashing their own people. And, you know, it's a message that we hope to get out there more. So thanks for coming on and speaking. Uh, back to you. Uh, I, I would like to go back to Mr. Vicky. I apologize, sir, that I cannot pronounce your first name. If you'd like to try to teach me how, I will happily call you by it. But until then, uh, Mr. Vicky, if you'd like to respond, absolutely. And then after that, we'll go back to the queue of hands. Oh, thank you, co-host. My name is a tongue twister, yet my last name is a gender twister. It's pronounced as Ndabazezwe. Ndabazezwe is a Zulu. Ndabazezwe? Is that close enough? All right, I'm trying to be respectful. 
I, I understand, sir. All right. I, I thank you for, for trying to teach me. I can't pronounce Ukrainian words either, and I host the Ukrainian space all the time. Slava uh, That's great. Davazezwe implies political affairs. That's my name. And Vicky is a short name for Vigindugu, meaning the shield. But uh, that's a both awesome name. They are gender twister. Uh, they are twisters. Uh, anyway, but uh, let me proceed. I wanted to answer to this other previous speaker who wanted to correct me that uh, Russia, Ukraine was not part of Russia, it was part of USSR. Well, I understand where he's coming from, but I also want to correct him that USSR, the headquarters, was in Russia. That was a, a block formed. Uh, I forget the time frame, but historically, it was towards the the Cold War. After Stalin uh, got into power, that's when they formed a block. So we cannot dispute the fact that. Russia is the mother of these other small nations, such as Ukraine. You can name them. Yes. Would you say that Poland is part of Russia, sir? Or same? Would you say that Poland is part of Russia, or Germany? Not, not at all. Germany and Poland, uh, they were the Warsaw Pact. They never formed the, the USSR in 1945. So you're what aware that Ukraine Moscow part... itself came out of Kiev, right? That that Moscow was founded after the Kievan Rus. I apologize for my pronunciation, Slava. Um, that actually the, the first country, the mother country, if you will, was not Russia, but Ukraine was the first country where the, the Rus people um, came from and, and exploded onto the the Eastern European scene from along with Orthodox Christianity and the like. I'm sure Slava could actually give us a better idea. But, yeah, you are right there. However, militarily and strategically, Ukraine never prevailed. If it did, it was the one to author the Union, which was called USSR. Ukraine never had the stamina politically or militarily to pronounce uh, hey, uh, what they wanted. I would mute this guy. Hey, listen. Uh, yeah, I can, say, I can respond here if you would. Yeah, I just want to add a comment. Um, thank you. Um, I don't, I can't pronounce your name, but understand that Kievan Rus was established in 970 AD and it predated Moscow. Moscow was a bog. In other words, it was a forest, and it was um, perhaps habitated, perhaps not like habitated with like some governmental uh, oversight. So I'm not sure where you're going, but understand that Kievan Rus was the center of Europe and the center of power in 970 AD. Moscow did not exist for another 500 years. So if you're trying to conflate that somehow... Ukraine belongs to Russia. It's just, it's unfathomable. I just can't wrap my hand around it. So I just want to make that comment. Yeah, I w I w I'm going to make a brief comment about 
to say that, you know, Zimbabwe is a country, even though they never won a war against the Rhodesians or the British, they lost every one of them. They were given independence by their colonial overlords. They did not win it in military conflict. That does not make them less of a country. They are, they are an independent nation. Their struggles are their own. Their leadership is their own. That is something that Ukraine and quite frankly, every other people is, should be allowed to have. Uh, we have a massive number of speakers. We had one person who may not know because he is new to the space, Baza. Not sure if you know how. If you wish to raise your hand, there's a little heart button next to uh, in the bottom right. If you click that, you see a bunch of icons all the way on the right. You'll see a hand. If you raise it, I will put you in line. In order as best I remember, we have Leonard, Maha, Daniel, Slava, Lewis. Leonard. Uh, thank you, Finance. Uh, so I, I didn't catch that last gentleman's name, but uh, uh, if he's still listening, uh, I would just, uh, firstly, I have a question for him, which is to the effect of who, who has he been getting his information from with regard to Ukrainian history? Because just for your information, and uh, I know Zimbabwe was part of the British Empire and then subsequently the British Commonwealth. Um, I'm in Canada. And we have uh, had significant uh, inflow of of uh, immigration from Ukraine since 1885. That's 140 years ago. So we, we've had uh, uh, farming families and uh, population coming to Canada from the Ukraine for 140 plus years. And... Uh, just for your reference, Ukraine was a separate nation back in 1885. And I don't know how much of this you know or simply don't know, but Ukraine has fought three separate wars just in the last 100 years to maintain their independence. Okay, so when you call it a civil war, I mean, that that is just completely false. That is just simply not accurate information. There's nothing civil about it. Ukraine was a, a separate uh, political entity, certainly a separate cultural entity. And I'm assuming that coming from Zimbabwe, you've got some, you pay some credence to the significance of cultural antecedents. In other words, I assume you have a culture there that you celebrate that goes back some period of time. Well, the Ukrainian culture, as was just pointed out to you by liberal, goes back prior to 970. 970 was the establishment of the Kievan Rus, the Kievan Rus. Kiev uh, was established as the center of the, Christ, of the Eastern Christian religion out of Constantinople in that 970. Now, I don't know if you, if you know about the history of the, the, Roman, uh, the, the Roman Empire and then the, uh, the Orthodox Church that grew out of the Eastern Empire in Constantinople after that. But uh, suffice to say, there is more than a thousand years of history there that you're simply missing, man. So I would suggest that you go back and study it with perhaps a bit more diligence. Because the Ukraine, as, as recently as, and not the current battling that's going on, not the current war, that's, that's, uh, that's current events. Ukraine fought a war against uh, both the Nazis and uh, the Soviet Russians in the 1940s. The 1940s, you know when that was? That was the, the currency of the Second World War. And prior to that, the Ukraine fought another war against uh, the Bolsheviks. 
And it wasn't the USSR at that point. It was the Bolsheviks. Uh, and this was in the early 1922. So the Bolsheviks didn't even extend their so-called USSR fabric over uh, even even what is today Russia. They hadn't even established that until the late 1920s. Okay, that was Vladimir Lenin, and Ukraine was a separate entity at that point, and had to be had to fight a war with the Russians. So anyway, this could, this could go on for hours, but all I'm going to suggest to you is that you pick up a, a couple of history books and read them, and perhaps fine-tune your knowledge on this subject. So uh, thank you. Hey, uh, uh, Leonard, if I may follow up. Um, Kevin briefly, Reeves, uh, is... okay. I'll get back to you, Liberal. Uh, Liberal, we have a queue. We are super backed up, so you're going to have to raise your hand and wait in line, sir. hate to be too rude, but i gotta, I got to keep the space moving. Uh, Leonard, appreciate it. And for everyone else who puts their hands down, uh, I'm going to go in order. We have the space full with multiple people requesting to speak. So if you are done with your piece and wish to drop down, I can try to bring people up later. Um, but we're gonna, I may, I'm gonna just going to have to cycle some people. Nothing personal, but we got to uh, keep the space moving. Uh, and thank you very much, Leonard. I believe our next up person is Maha Daniel Slav. Hello, Slava Ukraini. Um, I'm from Poland, and I want to add to this uh, to this uh, conversation that it's really it's really triggered me that that this is domestic war, whatever civil war, because Ukraine and Ukrainians there are separate nations from thousands uh, and even from even. Uh, we ha we both have a tragi tragic a tragical history, and but we never, as Poles, uh, deny to to uh, to recognize Ukrainians as a nation and as as a country, even though that we uh, that Pol uh, Poland was like like uh, bigger than now, and that most uh, part of Ukraine was uh, under the Pol Polish government. Uh, the same with uh, it it's really it's really far away in you know, history like uh part of of lithuania and like saying that this is the domestic or civil war it's like really abusive because it's a problem of russia that uh, that without ukraine russia cannot be like a, a big big country because there is too uh too <sighs> too lot of re uh, resources resources uh on Ukraine, that's why uh, Russia fights for Ukraine, or to have it, or to 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 influence. Thank you. Thank you, Ma thank you, Maha. Uh, I think I said Daniel, then Slava, then Louis. Okay, uh, a quick uh, history lesson. First, uh, um, when you say about communism, uh, I want to help you a lot and tell you 31 years ago. This shit is dead. Secondly, when you call about uh, human rights calling from Zimbabwe and United Nations, uh, sorry, you miss a train. Let's go deep in history. First, before Olga became the empress of Kiev, Kiev attacked Constantinople. Two times was the siege of Constantinople made it by Kiev. And Kiev was not a military might, was the powerful northern empire. 
when uh, Bulgars have a huge empire in Balkans and even I think they have almost all my country. Bulgars ally with Kiev against Byzantines. Late Romans with Greek speaking. For 200 years, Kiev don't give a flying crap about Vladimir, Novgorod, or Muscovy. Because these three old republics, Knazit was irrelevant. Was only one superpower who become the danger after Mongol invasion for Kiev. That was the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. And remember one thing. Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth have Ukraine under their wing for more time than Ekaterin the Great until Bolsheviks had it. And about uh, Russia keeping Ukraine in their stupid empire, Let's go to First World War. Bolsheviks quit the war in 1917, and Ukraine became part of German Empire. Uh, missing something is interesting, but don't knowing things about you talk is just less knowledge of history. Ukrainians, they don't have a civil war. They have a war of annihilation with a nuclear power, and they are winning. And they will win, even if North African countries and uh, Middle East countries yell for grains. They want grains? Go ask Moscow. And if you want to help Kiev, if you are Sudanese, Egyptian, and Algerian, just yeah, keep doing ammo of 7.62 for AK-74 and send to Kiev. All the other things? will be settled because our 50 powerful nations will decide to crush Russia and help Ukraine to win this war sooner than later. And about uh, African perception, guys, 30 decades ago, USSR died of <laughs> unceremonious death. And that zombie will not come back. And actual Russia, it's a weak state, very weak state, very powerful, and with people who love to drink and love to die early. And keep attention to Europe and Kiev, not to Moscow. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Baza, I, I almost forgot you in the order there. I believe you're a sir. If you're a ma'am, either way, you're up. Baza, Baza, you've waited so long. I feel bad pushing you down if you can't hear me. So I will give no, you my... I'm on. There he is. You're up, Baza. Okay. Uh, look, I just wanted to thank everybody for the effort that goes into the podcast. And um, w one thing I just wanted to mention was the, the Bean Hodges uh, meeting or interview was absolutely brilliant. And it ended up being a major article in the Washington Post. So I think uh, maybe the, uh, the report could ask for a contribution from the from that particular media organisation towards uh, towards a charity. Um, the other the other thing I was going to mention too is that there's a really good BBC podcast on Putin um, that you can get through Spotify, which it's about a twelve episode podcast and it gives a it gives a really 
thorough background to Putin. And um, I must admit, after listening to it, it gave it gave a real insight into uh, basically what a tyrant he is. And effectively, he's a he's he's more of a uh, mafia leader than a president of a country. And that was uh, that's about it. Yeah, no, we completely agree. Uh, regularly, when discussing the economic structure of Russia, which uh, this is you know, sort of my specialty when economic and sanctions questions come up, uh, referring to it as a kleptocracy and or mafia state uh, with the mafia as an integrated institution in their society where the mafia ends and their intelligence services and other parts of their government begin is not always clear. And that is by design in Russia. And that is all the way to the top. Putin himself had significant dealings with Russian mafia before he came to power. And clearly he still acts like one today. I think uh, I think uh, none of us have any uh, differences with your opinion there, sir. Absolutely excellent point. Slava, you had your hand up. You're up, sir. Uh, thank you. Uh, finance, you are uh, pronouncing correctly. Uh, Keis Karus is absolutely correct. And I would like to thank uh, uh, Maya, uh, Maya Jinkuye. Uh, she also did a great uh, support in this conversation and just to add that um, Russian Federation as Russia as we all know did not exist before 1991 so Russian Federation was founded uh, after dissolving of the uh, Soviet Union so uh, in all this time before Ukraine is always uh, that's to say independent because even was occupied by the Soviet Union. Uh, Ukraine always was independent, never wanted to be in part of the Union, some Soviet Union, because it was very bad for Ukrainians. So Ukrainians always feel, felt free and never was uh, close to the Russia, to the Russian culture. We always felt that it's um, it's wrong for us and we have our own peaceful nation. So uh, never was part of the Russia. So just to note that it is important for Ukrainians to know. Thank you. Uh, and Polish, uh, you are Poland, you are uh, brother for us and sisters. Thank you. Oop, forgot to meet myself. Lewis, you're up, sir. Good morning. Slava Ukraini. Slava. Uh, I wanted to make a few. I wanted to make a few points, uh, but first a shout out to Liberal. You were on point, sir. Uh, you were the first one to ask. Shut the troll down. <laughs> That's exactly my way. Um, and I've seen uh, the last months uh, on Twitter. I don't know who the name was. Uh, Every single morning, they put up a video where uh, it stands. Um, morning does not start with a coffee, and then they show a video. And uh, here for the space, uh, mornings do not uh, start with a coffee, but with a troll. So we uh, have seen uh, another example of that. Um, let me explain uh, for the people that might be... Um, intrigued by uh, someone calling uh, to shut down uh, that speaker. Um, this is, uh, I mean, uh, the spaces since day one or before uh, online, 24-7. Uh, and they are 
are every single day trolls that come up. And um, this is a, a, a sneaky way. Uh, they use a sneaky way to um, transmit their Russian propaganda. Um, at first, uh, and like I said, we have seen it every single day, uh, multiple times. Uh, Yehuda can uh, sing a song about it. Um, they uh, get in and at first they say something nice um, where you think, okay, this is going the right direction. Um, but then there is the sneaky propaganda um, that is implemented. Uh, so not um, for the, for some people, maybe not um, directly uh, recognizable, but um, there is, uh, like we have seen now on this perfect example, uh, a few statements uh, that um, just uh, propagate the Russian narrative and rhetorics um, that uh, we know from Russia. So absolutely on point, liberal. It is absolutely important that we uh, um, identify such, such uh, trolls or speakers and uh, for me, uh, as I uh, sometimes was co-host in the space, uh, for me, the first thing is to directly shut down the people because we should not give them um, space to uh, propagate this, this kind of stuff. Um, uh, but you were also, uh, I'm not uh, telling or saying that anyone didn't uh, react it the way they should. Uh, you were all absolutely uh, perfect. So, um, Daniel, also to you, shout out to you, my friend. Uh, you were also on point. Um, um, thank you for the small history lesson there. Um, I can tell you, um, because we also talked about it two or three days ago, um, um, we, or a few uh, listeners from this space, uh, listened to a space um, that was organized by a South African uh, person, Karl Niehaus. He had the Russian ambassador as a speaker up uh, from South Africa. And um, there were, I think, 800 to 1,000 people uh, listening to it. And it was absolutely from outer space. Uh, just another universe that you don't, another reality, parallel universe that you just can't believe. And this is exactly what Russia is actually doing. So um, they are losing the influence on the countries. um in, in Europe, and they are turning to other, maybe vulnerable countries that they can, uh, um, where they can uh, teach their propaganda. Um, and that's exactly what they are doing. Uh, if you heard this, the things that this ambassador was telling these people, and I do not blame these people, I, I blame the Russian propaganda for it, it's just unbelievable. Um, um, we all that, uh, were, were there from this space, um, listening to it, reported the, the accounts that were participating in this, uh, propagation of the propaganda. Um, I think, uh, Twitter didn't react till now, but, um, they were 
actually calling also for a regime change in South Africa uh, to a regime or to a government that is um, friendlier with Russia. Uh, so um, it's just, like I said, Russian propaganda is everywhere. And we have to be very careful when someone comes up, says, particularly from this um, part of the world comes up and says something nice. And then when you try to engage in a conversation, uh, there are red flags, as someone call it, um, where you can tell, okay, this is not going uh, well. So thank you, Liberal, for for calling uh, the shutdown and uh, absolutely perfect. Thank hey, thanks, Lewis. Uh, love you in this space, Merlin. Hold on. Uh, having a brief technical difficulties. Thanks very much. Uh, Anton, you're up, sir. Hi, how are you guys? Um, so I have a question. Um, Ukrainians have their own language, right? Yes, they do. I just want to make a, um, um, a, a little linguistic stuff, right? So in, in that area of the Baltics, they speak speak some Slavic languages, right? Uh, like uh, Russian is a Slavic uh, language and Ukrainian too, right? I mean, the background. I just got to do it um, like this way, okay? I'm Latin. I'm from Mexico. I speak once. And, and if I'm a troll, I'm going to be a Ukrainian troll. I'm pro-Ukrainian, okay? So, like, uh, I'm Latin. I'm Mexican. And in, in my European blood, of course, I'm Spanish and probably French. What I'm trying to say is like um, uh, French, Portuguese, uh, Spanish, Italians, we have something in common. We have the same background. We're Latins. We, our language most is from the Latin, right? So I, I don't know much history about Ukraine and about Russia that deep but i believe you know a long time ago um they start i mean ukraine be, uh, uh, became a culture when they start speaking and uh, in language in in, in in the language part they 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 speak some slavic language and they develop their language and their culture in certain way that is different than the russian so that makes a, a different entity than the Russians, right? I agree 100%. Okay, so why people don't understand around the world, you know, 